Hello and welcome to your happy hour. This is your bonus two for the price of one special. Um, I am here. My name is Karina and I'm with my lovely friend King. Hello. Good morning, Karina. How are you? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest and say I'm sort of a bit sort of shabby or not too shabby at the moment. I'm not sleeping very well, so I'm very tired. Um, so I apologise in advance to anybody because I may forget what I'm talking about and make up words. I tend to do that when I'm very tired. So I'll, if I do make up some words, I'll try and explain what I'm trying to say. But um, that's me. That's how where I'm at. How are you? No, I'm good. And if you make up words, we can have a bit of a giggle. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I can <laughs> <consider it. laughs> I quite often forget what the heck I'm talking about too. But you know what? We won't tell the listeners, but we're sort of, um, we're similar age and it is over 50 and it's up the higher end. So it's okay. We'll, ju we'll just move on. And, and we're not professionals, listeners. And welcome. We thank you for joining us. It's just two girls having a chit chat, trying to help anyone out there who's uh, on this recovery journey and um you know he's looking for some tips to help or you know things that we just don't know about we've got a really interesting subject today Corinne. do you want to tell the listeners about it yeah i was going to say as well first of all that we are coming raw and unfiltered across many very many platforms as well and different mediums but we're being we are making this for the same town podcast where you can hear all all of our podcasts all different stories all different sort of updates um our happy hours sober baddies resources tools tattoos sobriety tattoos before and after pictures lots and lots of stuff it is your one-stop sobriety shop so head on over there to www.sobertownpodcast.com um for all things sobriety and uh also, um, just to mention that we actually met on the I Am Sober app. Um, I'm Karina, and I am on 400 days, I think. I know. Time. And you are King 16? Th 13. 13. Yeah, 13. that's okay. Mum's maiden name and birthday. And you're right, congratulations, 400 and something days is like wild. That's, that's a lot of alcohol-free days, so congratulations to you. And yeah, I'm sitting at 2.52, I think. I was in a meeting the other day and I robbed myself of 10 days. And I thought to myself, geez, when you start at the beginning to get to 10 days is like humongous. Like it's like, yeah. oh, 10 yeah. days. Now I'm like skipping over them. It's like, no, don't be doing that. They matter. They matter. You <laughs> say, talking about robbing yourself, though, I've just got to share this little story. So it was my birthday in February. And my first ever sober birthday as well. I say ever, probably since I was about 13, probably 14. First time I hadn't had any alcohol. And I, I was doing podcasts, I was blogging, and I was telling everybody I was 57, right? So <laughs> I was 57. And then all of a sudden it got to about July. And I said to Andy about us being 57. And he just looked at me and he went, Karina, we're 56. So I robbed myself <laughs> for a whole year. And that's sober. <laughs> God knows what I've seen drunk. <laughs> Do you know what? It's funny you say that. Every time my mum, say we were in this year and I was, I don't know, 20, she'd be saying to me, well, you know, next year, like, you're nearly 22. <laughs> she'd always been like 18 months to two years on where I was. I'm like, are you trying to get me to my grave sooner, mother, or what? Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what she was about with that. But anyway, oh, well, said, maybe we, we should, yeah. Oh, God, we can laugh about it. All right. We're still here. That's the good news. That is the good news. That is the good news. And 
uh, you know, and one of the things that we've got is lots and lots of ladies groups that we're all involved in as well, which is fantastic. And one of my ladies, uh, one of our ladies, one of our groups, Forward 52, she is on the I Am Saber app, and she raised the subject of pre-relapse um, because you and I, King, have been talking quite a lot about relapse and we've had the lovely Shiki on with his relapse sort of pre and sort of post relapse really and his recovery from that um so it's something we've been covering quite a bit and we have had a few people resetting recently as well that that we know and it it kind of come out that we'd kind of seen it sometimes it's just sitting there in the background and I think one of the things is when people go quiet and they stop contact and they stop reaching out and you start to get your worries and your suspicions that perhaps people are are drinking or thinking of drinking or they've got so much stress that you you're worried that they're going to drink um and Ford 52 follows a lady and some podcasts by Belle and it is Belle tired of thinking about drinking she's got a lot of podcasts out there I, I think you have to pay for her podcasts but her blogs are free um and her book um she has got a book as well called Belle tired of thinking about drinking and she's got the 100 day sober challenge as well so and she had had sort of coined the phrase pre-relapse um which was something that that our female companion forward 52 had been sort of reading a, a quite interestedly really interestedly see was that a made-up word that's all right honey i know exactly what you're on about <laughs> <laughs> so the listeners and we move on <laughs> we'll, we'll have a new dictionary oh, by the time we yeah. finish this podcast <laughs> um so yeah so it was quite it was quite interesting i thought yeah there kind of are warning signs aren't there there's warning signs we can sort of kind of see when people are heading for a relapse and or a reset and it's wondering about should we step in what do we do and what do we say and how do we recognize it in ourselves um and it got me to thinking perhaps is it almost something that that in our support groups we should explain to others and say look if I start doing x y and z it's possible that I may be sort of nearing a relapse I would like you to ignore me or I would like you to reach out to me or I would like you to do x y and z for me to help me so it, it's kind of opened a whole topic and a whole area of conversation really and I thought it'd be something really good that we could discuss and I know that you've been busily down your rabbit holes now um <laughs> doing lots of research I have got some notes from Ford 52 she did do some research for me and gave me some information from Belle which that's why I've mentioned her um and yeah did you want me to start with what what yeah go, said? go with what <laughs> Belle said first yeah please yeah so what you said first of all which I really liked was relapse is not part of recovery it's a part of addiction and I actually quite like that statement. I thought, yeah, it is. It's not part of recovery. Although I think it's, it is a learn, to me, it's a learning process. You know, if we slip, if we reset, if we fully relapse, and I know you've got some different versions that you want to talk about on that today. Um, you know, we have to learn from that, don't we? But it is our addiction that's making us relapse, isn't it? It's that addicted voice, you know. It's not the recovery voice. It's that, that sneaky little sucker that's still in there <laughs> tapping on our shoulder. Um, 
And she said, sometimes it's like we don't always have it figured out. And it's it's that we don't have recovery, our drinking, everything figured out yet. Uh, because, you know, I, I know 400 days on, I still don't have it figured out. Because in my mind, I'm back to being one years old again. So I've got a hell of a lot of figuring out to do still. You know, I'm only just trying to figure stuff out. So it takes a long, long time, people, to figure out who we are and where we sit in this world. But it's worth it, and it is the best figuring out we'll ever do. Um, but she's saying with that that the relapse doesn't come from out of nowhere. It's there. There's a reason. And usually it's about seven days prior to the relapse. And it's not about drinking or it's not always about drinking. It's about being tired, being stressed, being overwhelmed. Um, and I can totally relate to that because my sleep is completely buggered at the moment. And with fibromyalgia and FND, sleep is absolutely imperative to my physical and mental health. And the old me um, would... I've had a drink to get to sleep. I would have done that. Oh, fuck it by now. And I would have gone, mm, I just mm. need sleep. I just need to have a sleep. I'm going to have a drink to get to sleep because we know drink does get us to sleep. It just doesn't give us a, a decent sleep or a good sleep and it, it buggers our sleep up. But, but the old me would have, you know, from the, the stress of the tiredness and how I am, I would have had a drink just to get to sleep. And I know lots of people do do that. Um, and that's very, very early days, and that's what people really struggle with is the sleep because the sleep changes massively when we stop drinking um, and eventually settles and get better. But that's when people kind of give in in early days, isn't it? With sleep, I think we've seen that quite a bit. Um, yeah, as you're saying, it's like, it's like, you know, when you're that stressed and overwhelmed, that's when you say the, you know, as our, our friend T would say, fuck it, we hit the fuck it button and that's it we just give in and think is it all worth it etc what's it all about um and i think it's probably true with with alcohol and sort of my years of of just well world experience and of nursing as well that actually when we're very stressed and when events are very stressful we can usually manage it quite well because we have to get through it our adrenaline kicks in and it keeps us going um but it's when sort of things kind of seem to be a bit more stable that's kind of when the emotional stress kind of kicks in when actually all the madness and chaos around us has settled a bit that's when it kind of hits us and I think that's when we're more vulnerable is when things start to seem a little bit more settled um, and perhaps us as supporters take our foot off the pedal a little bit because we're like oh well we're really there supporting people when they're having really difficult times and then they go a bit quiet and they seem to have got it sorted and perhaps we're not just backing up quite so much and actually that might be the time when people really need us the most because that's probably the time when they're at their riskiest maybe I don't know what do you think of, of that of what I've just said about the support side yeah, look, I was just going to just backstep a bit. Um, this, uh, they said that there's five warning signs of relapse, and this comes from a website called Blue Recover, uh, Blueprint Recovery. And most of what I'm about to tell you are from different recovery places that I looked up. The first one is the onset of triggers, which is it's, it's exactly what you were talking about. Um, they say, for whatever reason, you're starting to feel on edge about your recovery and life in general. You may be having trouble with your marriage or working in a highly stressful job or your work environment is really stressful too. Perhaps you have gone a few days without eating a healthy meal or working out, whatever the case, 
your life may be on the verge of you feeling like you're spinning a little bit out of control. And that can leave you vulnerable with a variety of triggers. Okay. So everything's sort of coming at you and you, you know, it's not calm. Like you said, sometimes you think it can be in the moderate, you know, moderate place and it probably can be. The second one's the emotional relapse. And that's when um, the emotional relapse occurs when you start to consider drinking or, or, or using again. The drinking mm. has come into you. It's, again, probably the attic voice, ding, 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 banging on the door. Um, the third one is the inner conflict about relapse. So you have a way of moving from your emotions into your psyche. And those emotions, again, are just like you said before. It could be moodiness. It could be anger. It could be sleeping and eating patterns really are um, affected too. They need to be, if they're erratic, it's not a good thing. Mm. Um, sudden changes in your schedule or your body chemistry and it's important to recognize those emotional signs so if you go on to the inner conflict about relapse um, once the thought of relapse gets into your mind or you know or slip up and I'll, I'll tell the difference maybe I should it's saying relapse here but you know I use the word slip it can be difficult yeah. to get it out and that's the thing it's like why isn't this thought going away and you maybe experience um, thoughts like just tug of war about drinking, you know, rationalizing why one drink is harmless, flirting with relapse by putting yourself in certain situations, trying to figure out how to relapse without anyone knowing, <laughs> yeah. uh, and feeling guilty also about your thoughts. So at mm. this point, the addict is still, like you said, because it's a beautiful point you said about it's not recovery, it is the addiction. And it's the attic voice that is just planting his little seed in there and chipping away at you. Then the number four one is the physical relapse. It says once your mind is fixated on, relap um, on relapsing, again, slipping, it's almost impossible to reverse. They say just getting one more drink maybe maybe enough to get you through so that you begin your recovery once again. So you know how some people do, they just have that slip that particular day get back on the bandwagon and say, okay, I've made a mistake. I'm going to learn from it. And you push back through and you keep on going. And then you have what is called a full-blown relapse. And that just <clears throat> often starts long before using the substance. It also continues long after. So relapse involves more than one single incident of drinking. So basically, um, and that's what that, uh, what we were talking about before, the difference between slip and relapse, and I'll just bring it up now, a slip is one single incident when you mm -hmm. do drink, but you get straight back into the recovery. The relapse is when you continue to drink and you abandon your recovery program also altogether. You just go back into basically what you used to do, thinking you could probably moderate. You can probably do it on your own. And we all know that that's a very, very difficult, difficult thing, if not impossible to overcome. Um, but then with your full brain relapse, you're going to find that you're lying to people about drinking again. Your continued use, regardless of the consequences, you're hiding the evidence. You're drinking or taking drugs in isolation, it says here. Convincing yourself that you can control your use this time. And a lot of us, you know, get back to that. I know with some people I've spoken to, they said that they actually, you know, almost wanted to slip because they thought that they were at a spot where they could control it. What do you reckon about all that, eh? Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot to take in, isn't it? But yeah, that's really, really interesting. I, I like the five different areas and using the physical and the emotional. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that 
that voice, the addict voice, as you were speaking. And I think, you know, yeah, sometimes it's just so easy, isn't it? Some, sometimes, you know, as, as Belle sort of says that, what was her catchphrase, the, the tide of thinking about drinking. Well, mm. you can see why people um, slip or relapse because it's just so much easier sometimes just to go and have a drink and shut the voice the fuck up because it is hard work. It is so tiring having that argument, that to and fro and that push-pull. It is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. And I think what we find then is that people start to drift away from their saber support and they've, they've then made up their mind and they're just going to do it. And, and obviously something we've discussed before in the Relapse podcast is that we've seen people also, their addict voices talking to each other. So you've had two people who's the, the addicted voice has actually almost been sort of encouraged or wondering together what it's like to moderate what it would be like just to have one drink and they kind of people kind of also have then found solace in other people to then almost compound what their addict voice is saying and um, that's a really sticky situation I think that's that's a slippery slope isn't it and my concern also is that I, I fully get that about a slip because I always say when people have had sort of you know a drink and they've had to reset the next day I always say it is just a slip it's another bump in the road it's something we need to learn on because we never go direct from A to B we go sort of all over the place diagonally sort of backwards forwards don't we to get to B and you know what that's fine as long as we get there in the end it's about finding our way and the right way for us to do that um and you know, I, but I wouldn't want to encourage people to to have a slip. You know, a slip is a slip. I think we're just defining the difference between a slip and a full-blown relapse here. Um, because we, you know, moderation just, well, for me, and I think for the majority of people, moderation is completely out, out of the question. I can't do it. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people as well on um, the Sabre Zooms, and I am Sabre, and, and other places as well, talking about, normies and normal drinking and I just can't get my head around is there a, a, such a thing as a normal drinker I don't know I just want to throw that out yeah. there because <laughs> that, that's what I can't and the reason I've thrown that out there is because that's what I see with moderation with people slipping and that question of can I moderate can I be a normal drinker people say I'm just wondering what that means well i think if we reverse that and say that we understand that our partners can't understand where we're coming from we don't we don't i don't well personally i don't see the point in having one drink and stopping <laughs> i just i just rather have nothing that's and again so they don't see the point that we can't do we can't why can't we just have the one and stop so it works both ways doesn't it really and god bless those who can um I just don't see the point. I mean, I wanted to drink to numb, to forget, to get basically shit-faced and just have a good time when I was partying. And then in the end, it's when your reasons change for drinking. That's when it gets really dangerous, when you're mm. isolated and you're alone and you're drinking on your own and you're drinking to forget and say, like you said, just stuff it. I've had enough. I just don't want to do this. And the thing, like you said, it's so easy just to hit that effort button, like T Lover says. Once that addict voice is there, he's going to chip and chip and chip away. And like you said, wear you down. He's going to mentally exhaust you completely where it, it seems, and it is at that time, mentally and physically easier just to pick up the drink. And you're at that point. 
point, that critical point in the battle for your life. It's either he's going to win or you're going to win. Mm. And that's where I rely on the work that I've done, the tools that I've done, what I've read, what I can access. And you recognize it when you recognize what is happening emotionally to you. And because and, and, it's not really a physical need anymore. Would you agree? It's no. not. It's, a, no, it's, it's not. all emotion. Yeah. It's all in yeah. your head. Yeah. And that you know, we all know the brain's the most powerful thing that, you know, your mind is the most powerful thing. So either it's going to get you or you're going to get it. Mm. And so recognizing that I think is the most important thing and saying to it, you know, I was telling people the other bloody day about this addict voice. I was, because all you, as we both shared, I've shared with you, I've been eating like a horse and it's not doing me any favors with the weight. So the other night I'm having a shower and I, I'm in the shower and I thought, I can hear that effing attic voice bloody laughing at me. Like I remembered the laughter of the kids at school and I thought he's saying to me, and I've said this in another podcast, ha ha, you think you've got me with the drinking, but guess what? I've got you getting fat again. And I thought you bastard, cross addiction, bang. And I didn't yeah. even know what cross addiction was until I started, right? And I thought, oh, you little shit. But I recognized it because I'd done the work and now I knew what cross addiction was and that's what I'm in. And I thought, so this morning I've had apple cider vinegar and lemon juice and bloody a, a fruit a fruit smoothie. And I thought, I said to the other, the other person I was with on the podcast last time, I should wire my mouth shut, but I can't. I've got podcasts to do. <laughs> but, you know, he's always there. He's relentless. But if you recognize it, that's where you can begin to fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm, I'm having this with, with sugar again. I could see myself when we talk about oh. I could see myself. You know, I was going away to stay with friends, and they bought some salt and sugar pep, um, sugar popcorn. You know, so I had some of that. So I'd had that, and then sort of I thought, well, I've had that now, so I might as well have this. You know, and then yesterday I was going to stop again, and I went to a bike rally um, or a bike meet um, where obviously I bumblebee draws people in and I talk about sobriety to everybody but they're like there was so this this group that I went with like we've made you some gluten-free pet cake cleaner and I'm like well I can't turn it down can I they've made gluten-free especially for me <laughs> so then that's what I was going to reset again last night and then today I've just been to my mum's and I knew there'd be some gluten-free cookies there for me so I thought oh well I'll just leave it I'll reset so I'm coming home now I've reset again on my sugars but it's just like once you start you're just kind of in it and you're in that loop again and it's so easy to to just fall for it just fall for it and uh yes need to be be firm but but you know listen to you again talk there it was a bit like i was, when i i think about i talk about maintenance plans and about maintenance plans to keep ourselves where well and one of the things that forward 52 had said to me that bell put was that you don't need to try harder like when we relapse you don't need to try harder you need to try different if it's if it's what you're doing isn't working and that really reminded me of care plans from nursing days that when we review care plans if something wasn't working it wasn't failing we just needed to do it differently we needed to relook at it and do something different to be able to deliver that care and get people to their optimum physical and mental health again. And I'm kind of thinking that that's almost what, what we need, isn't it, to write ourselves. You know, I'm talking about planning and preparation um, when, with that wonderful podcast that you did with Jay, wasn't it? Was it Jay, his name? 
channel. Oh, the guy with the YouTube channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. They can Such talk as fast as me. He's hilarious, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> I, I loved that. But it really sort of struck me, you know, a lot of what you said about the planning and the preparation and that. And we do come in. I mean, I didn't plan or prep anything. It's like, right, that's it. I'm stopping drinking. Told everybody again. Luckily, I found I am sober. Um, but then I had sort of given up drinking about a hundred times before probably, but I didn't have the I Am Sober app. This time round, I stuck with it because I found the app and that's what got me through. But I did no planning, but it's almost like, I think we need to care plan for ourselves. Um, and if we've already sort of on the app, if we're already into recovery, perhaps it's now time to sit and write a care plan of like, what are my warning signs going to be? When am I going to be vulnerable to drink again? What's triggered me in the past? And get all these things written down that, you know, this is what's, and what's my behaviour going to be like if I start to get relapsed? Like if I'm really nearing relapse, what's my behaviour? You know, with lots of people, it's that they'll start to drift away from their support. They'll go quiet. They'll start to have sneaky thoughts. They'll start listening to their voice more. Um, you know, and if any of that happens, what can I do about it to prevent me and stop me from picking up the drink? It was just something with my nursery head that came into mind. And I just thought, I thought that, think that's something that would be really cool for people to do, to write a care plan for themselves about mm. what their risks are, what the triggers are, what the warning signs are, what, what can they do? Um, what can other people do? Because that's really important with any care plans, with any hospital care or community care. It's not just about the, the nurse or the supporter and the doctor and the patient. It's about everybody. You know, it's about reaching out and saying to people, look, um, if I suddenly go quiet for a couple of days and I haven't told you I'm going to go quiet, could you just check in on me? It's about letting other people know what would, would be helpful for you too um because i do go quiet i do we do need time for ourselves and that's absolutely fine because we sometimes can get very involved in in all that we're doing to other people's sobriety but we have to have time out to work our own sobriety as well although that you know what we do helps we have to have that quiet time and i but i always check in 20 groups and i say i'm fine i've just either got fibro and i'm tired or i'm going on the road or i'm spending time with andy you know not so it's about letting people know that you're okay but perhaps it's about having a prevention plan and letting and a care plan and letting people know that if I go quiet and don't tell you can you reach out because I might need mm. support I don't know yeah. it's just into my my head but no you have to work out what you need what works mm. for you Karina like if you find and you, you you're acknowledging to see yourself that yeah I am stepping back and I haven't participated for a while and other thoughts there you can simply ask the question, but when someone begins to lose motivation for recovery, the relapse is more likely to occur. So motivation is a big thing. And that's why I continue to read, watch YouTube, do the podcast, listen to other people, do anything I can. Because for me, it's like building a muscle of strength in my mind that there is so much, so many things and so many reasons why I do not want to slip but that eventually will overwhelm Mr. Addict coming banging on my door. And I, it's something, you know, I'm going to end up looking like Arnie Schwarzenegger in the brain if my muscles are that big, because <laughs> I can't afford myself to not do the work. I cannot. 
I have to keep going. Again, you, the, the addict in me, but at least I'm using it for good because it. I know, and the thought, if I can just imagine myself going to that fridge and grabbing a drink, it would be over within five seconds. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not even a, a, a visual I want to entertain. And I thought about it actually the other day and I went, oh, and, and I, I actually sort of cringed up my face like, this, like I could smell this wine, like it was disgusting. And I was actually talking to Tea Lover last night and she said the same thing about alcohol smelling really, really bad. And it was really interesting because it does stink. I don't even like the smell of beer and I never did because I'm not a beer drinker. But anyway, it's just, it's interesting now that our taste buds have changed you know, our, I don't know about you, but I can smell everything. Like my nose is really alert. Um, but, you know, as I said, you know, for those who are not aware of prelapse, and it's the beginning of relapse, I love this. It starts in the brain, like you said, long before alcohol has tapped into your bloodstream. The relapse mode only starts with a few seemingly simple thoughts before you're on track to destruction. Mm. Um, and we do go on disruption, don't we? I think that's the thing. It's not just a little drink. When we do it, we completely go into destruction mode of like, well, I've done it now. Fuck it, I might as well just do it completely. And completely the floodgates are open, up. baby, and there ain't mm -hmm. no limit. And it's like bloody Niagara Falls for me. If I, you know, what as I said, stop at one. Yeah, no. no and that's what's scared. That, and that's the bit that scares me too, knowing yourself. And this is something I, that I've learned about that addiction voice in everything I do. I do it gun ho. Hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of us have found that, haven't we? You know, we listen to the podcast on moderation. It isn't just about the alcohol we can't moderate, it's nearly everything in our life that we can't moderate. I mean, the, the only thing that I can moderate and, um, is caffeine because I have to because I would be completely loop loop if I didn't. I have one cup of caffeine a day and that's it. And other than that, I just can't, I can't do it um, because my anxiety gets so intense. Um, I get palpitations. I feel so ill. It affects my heart, my kidneys, mm. my health. But so did alcohol. But I didn't moderate that. You know, it is an all or nothing for me. And I will say I've always been an all or nothing girl, but I can moderate caffeine. So I'm just wondering what, what that is about i don't know don't know why i can moderate. yeah i am um, i drink i drink decaf i do not drink any caffeine at all because the same thing makes a heart race i go fast enough as it is i don't want to blow up like the atomic <laughs> bomb for god's sake so i don't i have and now i'm trying to get down to because i have milk so i'm trying to get down to one cup of decaf a day in the morning that's my new thing as well not two or three and the thing is, even like when we used to, um, and you gave up smoking, like I used to smoke when I drank, particularly when I was out partying my butt off. Everybody was back in the 80s. But my friends, some of them still smoke to this day. They couldn't kick nicotine and neither could my mum. I could. There was something that I just, yeah, have no desire to go back to. So it's interesting, again, for me, it's all or nothing. I either cut it. If only I could just get addicted to exercise, geez, I'd be like bloody skinny as a rake anyway but you know that's a long that's a long way away um now this is the sad news because everyone's got to keep in mind you me the listeners everybody that it says here that there isn't a cure for addiction which means that we are going to have to be on it for probably the rest of our lives and and i don't forget that too that was a hard one to accept because you're like oh really oh really but the good news is 
it gets easier. It does get easier. And I just prayed when I was in my early days, I prayed for the day when I, alcohol was irrelevant because I kept telling myself that alcohol is irrelevant to me and I could just go about my day in a normal fashion without it bothering me. I just wanted sobriety to be normal. And I can honestly say today it is. And I'm just pray. I'm scared it's going to change. <laughs> but it's, I mean, I'm, I'm in a really nice spot because I went through some really hard times. But at this, at this moment in time, and I don't want to bloody jinx myself, but I feel, I feel really good. Good. That, I mean, that's really good. And you're looking really good. You're sounding really good. And thank you. I, yeah, you do. And I, I think, um, I think sobriety does become normal. And I think once it becomes normal, it is hard for that to be taken back. But you're always going to be have to be aware. Mm -hmm. I think it's something you can't be complacent. And that's something that I'm not, you know, I, I know that I can never be complacent ever about alcohol. Um, and Same. yeah, I... <laughs> I don't think about when I was coming up to my year about a week before my year I was riding around with Andy and I said to him you know on our intercom system I said it's really weird I'm a year sober next week and and I I just don't feel anything and that's his response was well that's good it just means it isn't part of your life anymore you know it isn't it isn't it's not part of my life and the fact that I'm not checking milestones you know when I went over to 400 I didn't even bloody realize you know because I'm not <laughs> So, I'd, because it is normal for it me, it is your norm. Yeah, it's great, it's terrific. But I have to be aware. I can't get complacent. Yeah. I have to be aware. And and this comes back to something that Forward um, Fifty Two said that come from Bell was about taking it from a two. So she does a scale of two to ten. Like so, ten is obviously sort of I would imagine relapse, full relapse. Nor is that you're absolutely fine. You're plain sailing like I am today. I'm not. I'm absolutely not okay I'm tired I'm tired so that might push me up to a one but uh, I could say quite confident this moment in time I'm a naught because the old me you know the old me would have used it to drink but no I know that's going to make my sleep 10 times worse and what I want to do is sleep not make it worse so today sitting here I am a naught but um it's about recognizing uh your pointers that when you're starting to go up that scale of relapse when you even get as far as a two you bring it back down to a naught again and the example forward used was what we discussed last time was about when Andy bought home that open bottle mm. of wine mm. you know and he bought home an open bottle of wine to the house not to trigger me or anything but just because it was just a circumstance and a situation that we explained in another podcast um and I sat there for 10 minutes and I said to him you need to get rid of that bottle of wine and he did straight away he went and gave it to a neighbor but she used that as an example that I was you know I was there was a two maybe possibly even a three maybe even a four I might have been at them but straight away in that one act of like you need to remove this wine now and give it to the neighbor um you know then then I completely put it down to a zero because as soon as that wine had gone I was completely back to a zero again so you can never get complacent you always have to be aware another instance the other Sunday went out for a Wetherspoons meal with Jack and Arthur and Zofia and as soon as I sat down I wanted a glass of wine to go with my meal and I said to Jack I really want a glass of white wine now and he looked at me shocked. And for people that don't know or listen, often Jack is my son, he's my 24-year-old son. And he went, 
no, I'm not going to have one. See, I think he slapped me. We told me in a podcast I did with him that if I was to drink and he'd slap me silly, or <laughs> slap me stupid. <laughs> you know? I mean, he wouldn't, not physically, but you know what I mean? Um, so and I said, no, I'm not going to have one. But it was just a reminder that the old me when I was working and the height of my addiction, I'd get out of work. I'd run straight or as run fast as I can run, get to where the spoons as quick as possible to get, have my tea. So I didn't have to cook, but to get, the glass of wine down me so i'd have a glass of wine and then you, i'd order my dinner we'd get another free glass of wine or of course i'd pay my extra quid to top up to the large 250 meals and i'd have two glasses of that within sort of 40 minutes really of finishing work um and it was just that that reminder and i didn't when i sat and thought about it i said to him no don't worry i'm not gonna have one and when i actually as you say thought about the taste and the actual smell of how I would perceive it now. It was revolting, but the old me wanted the taste and the smell and the feeling of, of how it used to be then. But you, you change it, it does all change, doesn't it? Your perception of all that changes. And it's not, you have that initial thought that you can bat it off a lot, lot quicker. Um, yeah, and you're right with that scale from one to 10, you've got to stop that prelapse before the relapse, before the, the slip. If I was sitting there and I said out loud, I want a glass of wine, then I'm telling my brain that that's reinforcing it. So I couldn't go there. I'd be saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. Straight away. Because that would scare me to even have that thought. And I don't have those thoughts anymore. I actually have tested myself by going out and just looking at the bar, you know, with all the pretty lights and all the mixed drinks there. And I just go, they're just bottles with stuff in it. That's how I see it now. Mm. Um, I don't have... I, I'm... What I'm trying to say, I think, is I've disassociated because alcohol is just poison. So I go, oh, yeah, they're nice looking perfume bottles or something else. I'll just have another vision. It doesn't make me want it, which is a good thing. And that's the thing. When it comes to those cravings and the warning signs, sometimes they just, they will. They'll come out of nowhere. They'll coax you. And even the strongest people, you know, are second guessing what they're doing. They're second guessing their recovery. And that's why I can never, ever let my guard down. Because it doesn't matter how strong you are. It's the people that you're with, the environment you're with, um, lapsing in your judgment for a moment and forgetting. I mean, like you said, if you've got diabetes or you've got something else, you have to be aware of your treatment. You have to be aware that you need to take care of yourself. Well, to me, and I don't know, is addiction a disease or not? Some people call it that, some people don't. It's just to me addiction, and it's something I need to take care of. Yeah. It's with well, me like for the sorry that's why i talk about care plan is because it's about yeah. ourselves it's, isn't no, it no it's terrific i think it's a great idea yeah so it's about looking after ourselves and um making sure that we can we can do that and uh, and looking at how we can prevent a relapse and what we can do but is there before we sort of move on to like preventing relapse and things that we do and resources and tools and what we could do is there is there other stuff that you found in your research that you wanted to talk about no it just basically talks about you know most addicts especially those in recovery would agree that addiction is a lifelong battle and you have to accept that and it's not an easy one to accept at the beginning because it is forever but once you do like you said it's like getting a bad diagnosis from the doctor then like you, and again, it's a great idea. You put your care plan that works for you in place because everybody has done a different amount of work. Is it a different timeline, different journey? It doesn't matter. Once you agree that you are an addict to yourself and admit it and accept it, 
you know, like Karina said, just get a care plan to sustain and maintain um, your sobriety. Um, it says to do, oh, yeah, because the conce- misconception is that once people get clean, they're recovered. <laughs> yeah, no, that was me. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this going, uh, yeah, that was me. I'm clean. I'm recovered. Oh, my God. And this is a quote here from, from the lady of your old, from your country. Remember the old Britain's Iron Lady, Maggie Thatcher? She oh, said, God. you may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. So Maggie was right on Right on, spot on with yes. addiction. Maybe, maybe Maggie had a bit of a drinking problem, who knows. But they say also, too, that in fact, you know, that 40 to 60% of recovering addicts relapse. It's quite, or slip, it's quite common, like you said. Um, it's whether you sustain, uh, you know, and go back into your recovery and try and stay off the wagon or whether you say, no, nah, I'm going back in full force, which I hope nobody out there does because it really isn't going to do you any favours in the long run. Take it from between us, we've got 500 and 700-something days, yeah, 750 days. I'm not going back, and I drank for no 40 way. years. I'm not going back. Simple as that. Um, but I was talking about, you know, a lot of these emotional stages, and I think everybody knows that the triggers and the warning signs, um, you know, this is what brings on these relapses again or, you know, slips as I keep calling it, um, the negative emotions that stimulate the substance seeking behavior. So, you know, and I don't know about all this, this is like me sometimes on a bad day, just normally, <laughs> you know, the stress, you can have stress, anger, fear, frustration, guilt, anxiety, depression, loneliness. My God, that's a lot there. That covers just about everything. I like this one, friends, locations, or events that remind the addict of using. And our friend Shiki comes to mind on his holiday out, with the family, hasn't seen anyone for a while, been locked up, great environment, and you're just like, you're just locked up in the moment. Mm. You know, that's exactly, and that's, that's is what one I'm going to have to face to when I get home. Um, and again, because there was the exposure of alcohol, I can be around alcohol now, it doesn't bother me, but I couldn't have done that in the early days. Um, seeing, or senses, seeing or sensing an object of addiction, so basically like the marketing everywhere, everywhere we turn, oh, there's a nice bottle of French champagne. Oh, there's another beer commercial. Oh, you can't really get away from it. And there always will be the social pressures to drink. So mm. again, these are the things, guys, that you have to just get in your toolbox and pre-look at how you're going to deal with these before you put yourselves in those situations. Playing it forward is a really good tool. Um, just imagining, okay, I've got to go to a barbecue. I've got to go to a party. How am I going to do this? From walking through the door, just imagine yourself going through the door. You're not heading straight for the bar like you usually do. So stop, because that's what I would do. All right, so maybe take somebody, you're with somebody, you know, that's great. Go somewhere else, find someone to go and talk to them or go to the bar and just pre-order a soft drink in your mind so you don't even think about the alcohol. But playing it forward is very good. Positive emotional states is a really good thing. You really, to stay positive, I think... If you feel good, again, you know that life is good. I'm feeling good. I don't want to go back to feeling negative and depressed and anxious and everything else. So I don't know. I mean, they say it's a positive feeling because you want to have fun and feel better. But that is only positive for 20 minutes, as we know. Then it becomes the down, chase another drink, chase another drink, because I want to feel like I did 20 minutes ago and my buzzer's worn off and you just keep drinking until you're oblivion and you do something silly and it 
it's all a nightmare, let's just face it. Um, yeah, so that's a lot about that. But certain situations are more likely to relapse, and I couldn't agree more with this. This is the loss of a loved one. Mm, that's, that's a really hard one there because it's a really sad thing to say, but I'd been drinking when I went to both my parents' funerals. Oh, God. Again, thinking I could cope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. No. You know what? It, it, that was just silly. But anyway, it's done and dusted. Um, you know, conflict with others, that's a big one too. If you fight with your spouse or a close friend. And sober, we do become different people. I want you listeners to know you'll become a better version of yourself, but you will be less tolerant of the behavior of other people towards you. I can guarantee you that things that you would let go after you've been drinking because you think, oh, I don't want to cause trouble or I don't want to hurt their feelings or I know that this isn't going to be good if I open my mouth. You'll find that you will deal with it and put your boundaries in in sobriety when you've got some days under your belt. And it's because you've got, you value yourself more. You've got more self-awareness. You value yourself more. You are worth it. You're a good person. And no one should treat you like crap. And I'm going to tell you that. No one should treat you like crap. Um, yeah. Those but in there, Deb. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, you talked a really important thing there about, um, you know, arguments with spouses, arguments with other people. And I think this is, I just wanted to remind people, this is why it's so important to do this for yourself sobriety is for you you have to do it for you my trigger was my um the, the pending birth of my grandson so i was doing it for him um but i'm not i'm not going to get in an argument with with him sort of thing you know um because he wasn't even born by by that point it was just an exciting time but as i went on the journey i realized no really i'm doing this for me but it is so important to do it for yourself don't do it for your spouse don't do it for your kids because they piss you off they do one wrong thing the first thing you're going to do is go well fuck you then i'm going to go and have a drink and that's what you're going to go and do so you need to really even if that was you know if it was your spouse or your kids or someone that, that sort of instigated you drinking, just look at all the treasures, all the good stuff of it and stick with it and decide that you deserve this. You are worth it and you are going to do it for you. Um, and that straight away takes out quite a big reactive equation to relapse, I think, if you're doing it for yourself and not for others. It's so true to be honest to yourself. And you know what? That word resentment. That lingers. That's resentment doesn't go away. If you doing something that you don't really want to do and you're doing it for your partner and then you do more things for your partner and you do something else for somebody else, eventually you've got to turn around and say, well, you know what? Ask yourself, what do I do for me? And it gets mm. back to that self-care. It gets back to the care program. It gets back to doing little things for yourself. And I always say to, even in the women's groups, you know, have something to look forward to. Guys, ladies, listeners, just have something to look forward to, something little. I don't care what it is, but just, you know, it's really important. You can't just keep giving, 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 and nothing's coming back sometimes because you will resent it. And unfortunately, I always say there's two types of people in this world. They're givers and they're takers. And I'm sorry, but men, but ladies tend to give a whole lot, 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 lot more, you know, and you can bend over backwards for some people and never really get what you need back mm. it's mm. just a fact and and it's so sad i've seen it time and time again and men have, i've seen it happen to men too some men that have given so much particularly in a relationship and they've just been you know they're never going to get back and then they say what did i do wrong i did everything 
Well, it really, and when people say it's not about you, sometimes it just isn't because you couldn't have done anything more. So about that acceptance, isn't it? And that area of control, you know, accepting what you've got control over, what they've got control over and your choice around that, you know, your choice to either stay with that relationship, leave it. um, You know, you've done your bit. You can't, you can lead a horse to water, as they say, but you can't make it drink. Yeah, I love that serenity prayer. It's up on my mirror. I've said this before too. I'm always saying things over and over, but my, what works for me is working for me. So I'm not going to change it. And it is, it's, you know, controlling what you can and um, letting go what, you know, <clears throat> the things that you can't and having the wisdom to know the difference. And I apply it to all areas of my life. And I've got some things I'm working through right now with some people that are very, very, very close to me. And do you put up with them because they've been there for, you know, 45 years or your entire life because they're blood? Do you? Because I tell you what, there I've had friendships, sober friendships through the IAS community that I have shared more with, and it's been a, a two-way street, give and take, give and take. And they know me and I know them for exactly who we are. And if we make mistakes, and we will, not necessarily even to do with sobriety, it's okay. Because yeah. guess what? We're going to own up to them. And I know I do. I'm all, I was forever saying sorry for things I didn't even do. It was mm. like, oh, I'm going, I'm going to get drink. I'll just say sorry in advance for anything I might do. Or, And one day... Somebody said to me, why do you always apologize? And I thought, you know what? And I, I linked it. I thought, because I never wanted to disappoint my mother either. So I just take the blame for everything. Yeah. But that's the importance, isn't it, of linking, linking it back of why we do that. Um, but also, it may be your British roots because we, we had this sort of come up in one of our Zooms and, and they said, why do you Brits, the Americans said, why do you Brits? Oh, say thank you. Thank you. It's not just why me. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, but why do we? You answer for me, darling. Why do we? I really don't know. It's that's kind of like, sorry, can I just get there? You know, in other words, you're in my fucking way. Get out of the way. But we're going, oh, sorry, can I just get there? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now it's just get out the F away. Otherwise, I'll just take take oh. charge here. No, but oh. it is interesting. We say sorry. Maybe mm. we just, I think it was a thing of being polite. I really do in the beginning. But then I think like everything with my addictive nature, I took it to the extreme. <laughs> I mean, I think I was just apologizing for being here at one point. Oh, I just felt like such a nuisance to people. Oh, God, let me move on. Um, yes, what else does it say here? So. Some warning signs to watch out for, overconfident attitude, self-pitying attitude, dishonesty, hanging out with people from the drinking days, <laughs> changes in personal hygiene, sleep or appetite, and sudden changes in routine and irresponsible behaviours, like if you skip school or skip work or appointments. And again, you've got to be motivated to stay on track, guys. Got to be motivated. Do the work. Read what keeps you on track. Um, get that brain retrained like mine. That's certainly going to help you. I'm just telling you what worked for me. And you've got to do the work. You can't just sit back and not do it. I don't I don't believe that. And if you can, my God, you might no. have a hell of a willpower. Well, I think they, they get on about the dry drunks, don't they? You can just stop drinking. There's a difference between stopping drinking and getting sober. And what we're doing is getting sober. And the, the, the way I say about it, because it does scare people of, you know, I think there's two things that scare people um when you first start it's like it's that fear of never drinking again 
which you've spoken about before, you know, and the fear of what am I going to do with all the time, you know. Um, I don't think you realise when you first start how much hard work it's going to be. It's not until you get in a little bit further that you realise that you really have to work this, you know. Yeah. Your early days are, are blogging, giving support in your I'm Sober community or whatever, you're just doing your bits there and and you're getting into it and, and sort of exploring that fear of never drinking again, that fear of like, what am I going to do with all my time, you know. I know, right. And now we have no bloody time, do we? Now, now I've got more hours in the day. I know, right. <laughs> this community gives you so much and so does you know sober town and god bless drifter because he's he's given me a full-time job to do here and i love it i feel like i'm working again and it feels so good to give back and if i said if i can help one person bingo i've done my job if somebody just takes one thing out of the 200 now or what 15 podcasts and everybody's done and thank you to all the staff at sober town you're fantastic people and all the contributors you know there's so much there that people can learn and again i wish i had that resource but yeah. um, and thank you also for the listeners as well. You know, all the people that are listening, all the people that we're yeah. helping, and for the people that comment, you know, please do leave us comments about, you know, give us feedback about how you're finding sort of the stories and the podcast, and any ideas, anything else that you'd like to hear um, us talking about or covering, then then just give us a shout out and just let us know, and we'll do our very best to to cover it for you. Yeah, I was going to have a giggle and say, yeah, yeah, that King she repeats herself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell king not to mention the same damn things every bloody podcast okay so do you want to get on to the um the best thing we can do to to prepare for preparations everything about the triggers okay this is from the addiction center okay. it says number one know your triggers so again identify what your triggers are guys and if it means writing the little things down as you there can they come up so you remember them next time make a little note this is really important. Have a support system to help you avoid the triggers and keep an eye out for the warning signs. So, mm. again, all those things we mentioned before, if you're feeling just not right and you think that there's a thought there, then that's a huge warning sign because that thought's only going to grow. It says if you are getting triggered, avoid the people and places that may, may, you want, may make you want to drink. So don't go running to a bar. If, you, no. if you're thinking about drinking, I mean, really... <laughs> it's not probably the best best thing you can do for yourself no. just make it as and, easy as you can for yourself yeah and one of the things that we often say as well to people you know especially if people oh, are going to special occasions or going to occasions they're a bit concerned about is just remember i'm always there right in your pocket because your phone everyone has their mobile phone on them now right we, right in your pocket whatever your support group is whether it's i am saber this naked mind um whether in the women's groups and i think there are some men's groups now you know get in a support group and it's always there and we actually had a lady recently take us to a barbecue with us it was brilliant we absolutely loved it in the group you know we saw the photos we saw videos and she took us with us literally and it was it was wonderful because it was in america and it was just like i was there with her and she got through it and she had a wonderful time um you know so whatever your support is we just use that term i'm in your pocket and and i've done it before we, we we've we've laughed and we've talked in previous podcasts way back when back at the start about our toilet voice you know i've done it before <laughs> i've gone to the pub and gone hi girls i come out for an evening meal <laughs> There's lots of wine everywhere. I'm having to whisper, and it's very echoey. And you know, 
Then your we friend have- goes, yeah, Karina, you're in the toilet. It's echoing. I can always pick it. It's hilarious. We've got two blokes in our group who talk to each other in the toilet, but that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> and it's like they're at it again. The one that doesn't, the one that tells uh, he works and he doesn't work, he's always in the toilet. Oh, it's so hilarious. Oh my god! But you got to laugh. And that's the thing: we laugh more than we ever did. Things oh, are so yeah. funny now. Like it's yeah. just, and you're present to pick up everything that's funny. It's just, it's yeah. just awesome. I love it. Now Polly's going to love this one because this is one she taught me: the halt. People can mm-hmm. use halt which is H-A-L-T, and it stands for hunger, anger, loneliness, or tired. So ask yourself these questions if you're feeling a little bit off balance or something's not right. And the idea is just to take a moment, conduct a little self-assessment, and address any of these feelings that you're having before they get out of hand. And checking in with HALT helps you physically, mentally, and emotionally prepare for the triggers and situations you may face. And it is terrific because before, what did you say we do? Hit the effort button and be straight to the fridge in 5.5 seconds. There was no yeah. halting. There was, no. Where's the glass? Where's the bottle? Off we go. No, no, no. So that is a really, really good tool. And if you do nothing else, put that one in your toolbox, peoples. What do you reckon about that one, Karina? Yeah, I think that's a great one, isn't it? And it yeah. is, again, the thing that comes to my mind right then was um, the primal brain it's the primal reaction it's that old saying take a deep breath and count to 10 you know give the new brain time to come into play and have that bit of rationalization around it all and i think that's what hope does it makes you literally you know stop the other one that i use myself is stop as well which is just stop take a breath observe what's going on plan and proceed you know that's one that I use that I, I don't know whether I just kind of made that up one day in my head but I actually did that with anxiety it was more for anxiety that I used stop and I just thought it'd be a really yeah. good use um and it's a similar thing you know it's just it's just about giving your time to take a breath and you know some people can use physical jolts as well that can be helpful if you can't just do it emotionally some people might just actually say halt and just smack themselves on the, the back of the arm or something yeah yep 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 i'll you into you know action so i'm not talking you know whack yourself half around the face <laughs> a, little, a little tap you know on the hand will do you don't knock yourself out halt. yeah <laughs> i can take one of two black eyes you know you told me to halt <laughs> you know, that's the sort of thing i do i've always smacked myself across it and knock myself out but um, oh. there's a book too, a really good book for anxiety that I read, and it's a, and I think it's called Stop or something like that. It's terrific, and my sister and I were laughing because it really works because that's the message you're sending to your brain, and the physical, the physical, you know, just it just makes you just jar, and oh, even if you give yourself a, a tap, we don't recommend yeah. that you, you have a clenched fist when you when you do it. Um, yeah, so that's all really good there. I don't know if you ever ever want to add or if you want to add anything from that. But then it says now the next thing here is coming back from the relapse. Okay. Mm. So listen, people, we, we you can close your ears because we hope that you don't relapse. But if we and fifty percent do, so you know what, it's it's a possibility. We never say never. So you've relapsed. You probably feel like crap about it or scared to death. And now you're wondering, where do you go to from here? The first thing you should do is get in touch with your therapist or sponsor or person so they can assess the situation and decide the best immediate plan of action. I myself would say if you're an IAS community member, reach out, 
get back there, talk to people, get your phone out in your pocket. If you're in groups, talk to somebody that you know in the group, but you really just get straight back on it. A slip is a slip. It happens. Beating yourself up, having the negative thoughts in your head, being embarrassed, whatever it is, it's not going to help. The day has gone. It's a new day. It's a new dawn, just like when you started out. And just refocus and get back on track. That's the, I think that's the best thing you can do. Don't give it any more attention. Your energy needs to be conserved for staying in sobriety if that's what you want to do. Yeah, because you're, you're letting the ego voice still win. You're letting that oh, voice exactly. win, aren't you? You know, you're giving them some space. You don't want to give it any more airtime. Yes. And the community, we've seen it time after time. The community are absolutely amazing, and I'm sober. If you have a slip, everyone's there with open arms. There's no judgment. Everyone's yep. there scoop you up help you get back on your feet and and get you on your way again you know and that's why we have that same one day at a time it is only ever for today and sometimes it's minute by minute hour by hour um breath by breath but it's about doing that and i think people also when they do reset it's almost like a relief that they've put it out there they've mm -hmm. declared it to mm -hmm. the world and it's like yep. oh it is a relief to do that so don't ever fear sort of um getting back on it that's what we want to do is just get straight straight back up I mean, my son his first tattoo that I ever had on his arm was falling down is a part of life getting back up again is living that's exactly right you get you fall over you get back up you dust yourself off and you just get right back to what you were doing that is, it's just so true, so true. And, you know, I've had some people say to me from the community that it was sort of like they thought that they could moderate and they thought that they were maybe different and because, you know, they're very strong-minded people and we find that a lot of people in our community are very strong-minded people. <laughs> and, um, and they had to do it to prove it to themselves. And now, you're right, they're more stern than ever about staying on that sobriety track, just... Okay, I did that. I needed to do it. I've learned a lot and I wasn't right, maybe, and that's okay. But this is where I want to be now and they're back on it. And there's been and it's and maybe with more force than ever, you know, their their attitude toward it is very, very strong. Um, and so yeah, that's really what you've got to do. You know, the encouragement is there. What I love about the IAS community is there's never any judgment. Well, no. I'll say 99.999%. We know that there are a couple of people that like to throw their own opinions out there. And please, you know, if you're listening and we know we don't do it, advice is great when someone asks for it. Um, for the 99.9% do just, you know, support. And that's terrific. That's what it's there for. But, you know, just remember you've got someone's sobriety in your hands before you put your words on paper. That's all I'm going to say. Because there have been people affected and it's not nice. Um, and especially if you're nervous and you're coming in as a newbie, you're putting everything, just just being there, it's just such a big decision. So you're very sensitive to what people are writing and you, you go to the comments and say, oh, what did they say, you know, and I posted this. And it's a big deal, you know. It's a big deal. The problem is as well, though, in the written word, it can be interpreted in different Correct. ways. It, you know people can read it in a different frame from what it was written but I think we just have to remember that everybody if you're an I am saber you're on there you're battling an addiction of some sort of another so we've all got our own issues we've all got our own stuff and we just need to support support that but you know it is really supportive 
um I just say you know the majority of the time um and and but if you know when there are hiccups I think sort of the community comes together to support the person that has been offended anyway but but it is a brilliant brilliant community um I would not be where I am today without being on I'm Sabre I'm so glad I'm so happy from the day that I stumbled across that you know I just thank my lucky stars and all the, the brilliant people that I've met from that really and I have a lot of admiration a lot of admiration for people that get back up there reset and do it again so yeah couldn't agree with you more and I've got to the point where seriously IAS and Zooms and women groups and podcasts are my life that's how much it's filled me up with good stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this unless I thoroughly enjoyed it and had a really, really you know, good message to put out there. And I believe in what we're doing, 1,000, 1,000%. And, you know, once you can, get the support, find your friends, find your little tribe. And there's always someone that just tells you something new. It's terrific. I'm learning every day. Yeah. And you never stop learning. And that's what's brilliant about it, like, you know, I'm in it and I'm in it full force. And once you once you decide for yourself, there is no turning back really. And, and a slip is a slip is a slip, you know. But as we say to everybody, count your alcohol-free days. If you have a slip and you reset, just make another note of all the days that your body and your mind had a break because that is the most important thing. Yeah definitely that is the important thing you know and, and she is good at doing that here so well out of this many days you know I've, I've only had these days that I've drunk and and that's the important thing it's turning any any potential negative into a positive every breakdown there's a breakthrough let's you know keep because if you start going down that negative scale then we're back onto the oh fuck it I might as well carry on you know it's about turning it around to a positive and it, it, it is hard work there was a, a time when it, it is hard work um, but it's as hard as you want it to be and you can give mm. back what you want to give back but the way I always look at it is hey you know drinking's bloody hard work trying to give up drinking's hard work arg arguing with that addict voice blah 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 backwards forwards, forwards backwards you know sneaking a drink you know pouring extra for yourself going back out and drink driving to get an extra bottle of wine from the chemist and the uh, chemist <laughs> and from the news agents and and hoping you don't get caught you know it's bloody hard work and if you can put as much work into your sobriety as you did to drinking mm. you'll be onto a winner no that's exactly right and the bloody addict voice that's exactly where he wants you and i said it's a devil in disguise and all his whole goal is just numbers. He just wants death in numbers at the end of the day. And he's pissed off with me right now because I'm doing well. I know he is. That's why he's trying to get me to eat more. <laughs> so you but know what? I'll it. take that any day over the drinking. Any day. Yeah. Yes. Give me another ice cream. So there, addict, piss off. <laughs> and you know what? You're so kind when you talk to your addict voice. I tell him to F off all the time. If he comes near me, I'm like, I get really nasty. And it's good. I'm glad. I want to stay angry at him. I want to stay angry at him. And not so much at myself anymore for taking all those years away from me. Because a lot of them, I mean, I must admit in my 20s to 30s, I was having a great old time. But in the end, it was not fun at all. It was a really dark place. It was really horrible. I knew he had me and I didn't know how to get away. But now I do. There is a way, people. There is a way you can get away and live a really, really fantastic full life with lots of new hobbies, lots of new friends. Don't be alone anymore. 
Don't give him the satisfaction. And as Karina said, do it for yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, have things for yourself as well to do. I mean, I'm thinking that that prelapse and relapse and when we're going in, you, you know, you do find lots of new habits and things to do. I mean, I have mm-hmm. got friends, but our support groups as well. But some people find it quite hard to reach out when they're feeling vulnerable. Um, A, because they some people don't want to reach out because they don't want to be talked out of drinking because that's what they're going to do they've made their mind up um and some people just um like me in the early days i found it really hard to show my not so strong side i'm not going to call it weakness because it's not a weakness you know um i i i I thought of things recently that was called oversensitive in the past and i think well yeah perhaps i am quite oversensitive yeah I'm bloody proud of that because it enables me to care. You know, it enabled me to care for 37 years for other people's mental health. I was going to say, that's why you were good at your job. Yeah, yeah, it's enabled me to do what I'm doing now. And so it's good. It's something to to celebrate and and not be down on. So um, so if you, you like that, it's about finding things that are good for you that can keep you occupied. For me, it was knitting. And I know you took up knitting as well, King. We, 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 I don't think we've managed with sort of jumpers and holes for necks and holes for arms. We're sort of scarf girls, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, I do all the scarves. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a yeah, bit of a rest. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Jigsaws, picked up jigsaws again, which are great fun. And on our last podcast, or the podcast when you were talking about the uh, the bubbles, wine glasses that you'd got, I went and picked mm. up my jigsaws <laughs> again, and I've done two of those. And the support, the podcasts going for walks connection so you know making drinking copious amounts of herbal teas really getting into different herbal teas and things like oh that oh boy you certainly yeah. got a kitchen full of it yeah and i love it yeah i'm just finding things to do and then of course i went and bought bumblebee which is a great thing for me yeah. Um, and I've just bought uh, just for because I, I some of you may have seen that on my Instagram I went and found a stained glass um, phone box here in the UK and it was beautiful inside there all the beautiful light um, dancing around me it was absolutely gorgeous so I've actually just gone and bought some lead strips for my kitchen window and some glass paint and I'm going to stained glass it because the sun shines through there in the morning so I'm going to walk into this glorious kitchen light which if I'd been drinking and I was hungover oh I would have hated that light and now I'm going to absolutely bathe in it and love every single minute. You just made me homesick because of all the old homes at home in Australia um, the old Victorian homes they all have lead light and I we had a home a hundred year old home with <laughs> all lead light in it it was beautiful and you're really gonna love it i love things like that anything you can hang with sparkles that catches the sun you know Mm. crystals whatever it's it's just such it brings in such good energy you really it's it's a beautiful thing to do i wish i could do that at the moment but (laughs) this is not our place at the moment so i can't (laughs) but yeah that's a great idea and that phone box is magnificent you just want to go in there and just stand there at the right time of the day (laughs) Does it work? Can you call someone and just pretend you're No, there's no phone in there now. It's empty, oh. but there is there is a heart start, a defibrillator in there. So a lot of our phone oh. boxes are defibrillators for heart start. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, or libraries. There, there's books in a lot of them where you can just go and swap your books over. Like for, for people, you know, when you finish a book, you put it in there and take somebody else's. But there's one that I found in Argyle in Scotland that when we do our Scottish leg on our bike tour, I'm going to go and find it. They do, the little villagers make little cakes 
and you can go and buy cakes from this phone box <laughs> it's just like incredible it's uh, amazing but the reason that phone box it's in a little village called Mellis in well Suffolk Norfolk broader but the reason that it's done like that is so that if villagers are having a bad day they can just go and stand in this phone box and be bathed in this beautiful glistening light and just feel better so that's the community coming together too it's beautiful very very beautiful spiritual thing they're doing you can't not but feel good in it it's so gorgeous yeah so a bit like being bathed in sobriety really you know it does feel gorgeous it does feel absolutely wonderful and uh we're not going to go back but i'm going to write my care plan i'm going to write a care plan just in case Never yeah, say no. i think it's a very no it's a very good idea and on yeah. that note, I don't really have much more than that to contribute as far as, I think that no. was a lot. I know it was, listeners, but, uh, you know, take from it what you will and um, just be aware. I think awareness in all of this is just, as I said, I'll go back now to more reading and more digging down rabbit holes and to see what yeah. else I'm looking at the moment for any other things that I can find too. Because let's face it, this is probably the most important subject in sobriety because nobody yeah. particularly wants to relapse or have a slip. No. It's not a, no, it's not that something we go, let's intentionally do this. Um, it's very few that do unless they're doing an experiment. But for the majority of us, we don't want to do it. So no. this is this is something that really needs our attention. And we get yeah. armed and get ready, get ready for battle. And and once you do, as I said, I've been very lucky. I've been very lucky that, but I have, as I said, I've worked hard at it. And I haven't really been that close because I don't let him in I don't let him get that close to me so remember your mind is the most powerful thing and you can overcome the addict voice that is the good news yeah don't let a little fucker win <laughs> you've got the control <laughs> Love it. Oh. yeah so so write yourself a care plan people i hope that's helped and um you know if nothing else hopefully it's put, helped you perfect your toilet voice now so you know what to do you can go into toilets and whisper into your phone when you need help <laughs> <laughs> and listeners if you're not on ias get on ias join at yep. day zero make some friends get some support you'll never ever look back yeah, and get over to www.sobertownpodcast.com for this podcast, 200 and plus, plus, plus podcasts and lots, lots more. So until we see you next time for another happy hour, I'm Karina. I'm going to sign off and say not another sip, no matter what. And on behalf of Drifter, I'll say pour the poison down the sink. And it's King 13 thanking you for listening. And I'm going to say ciao for now. Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs>